But uh, I'm excited to crash your wedding. Yeah, dude, if you wanted to, that would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> FYI. I'll talk to Heather. That does it. not th- th- that does not extend to everyone who's listening, by the way. You can't <laughs> you can't crash my wedding if you're Doesn't if it? you're not invited, but yeah. God. <sighs> Damn it. Welcome to the lost episode of Roll Up and Die. Tell me. something about matt today indeed and i don't know if you're gonna want to hear it but i feel like you should so we can kind of drill him for this but (sighs) okay i'm ready matt click uh from a fistful of dice does not like the dresden files i was sitting here as you were like i learned something about matt click today i'm like oh shit what what's happening right now (laughs) Like, what is he going to talk about? And it's like, <laughs> he doesn't like the Dresden Files. Like, oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> okay. He, did, right. he didn't learn that other thing. Yeah, okay, I'm glad dude, he didn't it's... find that other thing out. No, I, I do, I do, th- I do think <laughs> those, I need to. Those hookers in the in the floorboards. Whew, they, they're still. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows about that. Yeah. No, the, the thing with the Dresden Files is I don't, I don't think that the Dresden Files are bad. Let me, let me let me just state that I I've read the the first two books and I I think they're good books and I like I like them but it's just not my thing like I can't I, I I don't feel compelled to read more books or watch the show or play an RPG it just doesn't grab me you know mm-hmm. what I mean and mm-hmm. it's not any fault of the world or the books. It's just a hang-up on my part. And we were talking about it earlier, and I was thinking about it because I love the Dresden Files. I love the books. I I love them. I've never seen the TV show, and I've heard that in order to like the TV show, I kind of have to be okay with them kind of... uh, Gutting it? Yeah, gutting it. You know, that's that's how you put it nicely. Right. Um, But... uh, you know, there are other things that are, you know, like you put it, Matt, urban fantasy that I don't like. And I'm like, why don't I like it? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why why do I like one urban fantasy and not another? I think the example you gave was Shadowrun. And hmm. I don't know, man. There's a lot of different I, – I, I, I can't really put my finger on it. And you like Shadowrun, right, Matt? I, I'm not a huge fan of Shadowrun. Um, I, I, it's a little bit – that's the thing is that it's just a little bit too much for me. It doesn't grab me like – it's not grounded yeah. enough for me, I guess, is is the issue. And I don't dislike it. I would love to play in a Shadowrun game, but the setting itself has never done much for me. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I've never been a huge uh, Shadowrun fan, but the thing that gets me about... The thing I like about the Dresden Files... It, well, the first thing is the character. I love Harry Dresden. He's oh, such yeah. a he's such a cool character, mm-hmm. and, and and he's written so well. But what I, what I would suggest, Matt, is if you get a chance... Uh, Give it, give it, give it just one more chance to maybe listen to one of the audio books. Boom! Because, because James, boom! Mar- sorry, sorry. Go ahead, continue. 
because because James Marsters, who does the, who does the uh, the reading of them, is absolutely fantastic. Oh, see, I like James Marsters. I, mean, I didn't. I wasn't aware that he did the audiobooks. That's yeah. bullshit. I told you that today. Oh. That's why I went with the boom oh. thing. That's why I said the boom so, thing. Man. Sorry, I, I must not have. Did you not listen to my voice messages? Mm. You fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but yeah, 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 and and, and I, yeah, he... <clears throat> I think this is you know part banter. Can you hear my dogs? Yeah, yeah, like loud. Not loud. Is there a Terminator coming to get you now? What's that? Is there a Terminator coming to get you or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know that reference. <laughs> I think I saw, I saw the first Terminator a long time ago. Oh man, ago. I saw I the liquid one a while ago. I, I just I just spit I just spit on my keyboard. Um, <laughs> Does it really surprise you still? I mean, I, you know it shouldn't. But <laughs> it, it, it it's, shouldn't. It's so but funny. It does. I don't know. <clears throat> it's so funny because it'd be so easy for me to just sit here and lie about all the movies I haven't seen. But I'm I'm yeah. realizing slowly, like God damn it, I really have not seen like any fucking movies ever. Right. But but you'd be called out on it too, you know. I mean, yeah. It, it, oh yeah, yeah. I've I've seen that a lot of times, bunch of times. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, eventually, someone would ask you a question. It would get really awkward. I just yes, I feel yes. like there is a there's a specific genre, um, Barker that you haven't delved into, and that is like. 80s early 90s action movies like the classic action movies like predator terminator 2 like have you ever seen aliens uh yeah you know what i have and the only reason though is because i was told to by a guy that that was like a a, he was teaching me it was like one of my first earliest music production courses Mm -hmm. and it was like just a one-on-one course because no one else showed up and he was like dude you gotta watch aliens and i think it started with him being like like I screwed up in Logic Pro, and he was like, "Game over, man! Game over!" And, you were like, and I looked what? at him, and I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And he looked at me right. like, "Wait, wait, what? You've, you've never seen Aliens? This class is over. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> Go home right so, now." So, so what you're saying, Barker, is this is this is a long-standing problem we have. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I've it's, not seen a lot of 80s or 90s action flicks like Predator or a. Well, I saw Alien, but I've not seen you know other action movies like labyrinth or monty python and the holy grail or those aren't action those movies. aren't action movies no but they're, they're 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 kind of pivotal to the to the geek culture yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i yeah i think i think that's the biggest thing for me barker is that you're you, you are like really into like star wars and stuff like in like lord of the rings but then there are mm-hmm. certain other cornerstones of geek culture that you haven't yet experienced and that I don't know. That to me is 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 a little odd, but it's also intriguing. Like it's not a bad thing. It's like, oh, Barker, there's no, so many cool no. things that you get to experience for the first time. And I, so I'm almost, you know what it is? I'm envious. Mm-hmm. I wish I could go oh. back and watch Predator for the first time. I wish I could go That's back true. and watch Terminator Two for the first time and experience it with those new eyes. You know what I mean? Because for me, it's like I'm sitting there watching Predator and I'm like mouthing every single line. You know, I just <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what's going to happen. But you. When you turn off this podcast and go watch Predator, <laughs> you mean when I when I don't watch Predator? Oh, when you when you watch Predator, you're going to be experiencing it for the first time. 
Matt, if I went and watched Predator after this podcast, mm-hmm. it would totally ruin my persona in this podcast. <laughs> that is true. I don't want to mess with your rap, dude. Um, I don't have a good segue. <laughs> Speaking of... No, I got, I got one, I got one, I got one. Oh, do it, do okay. it, do it, do it. <clears throat> so, because, Barker, part of, part of your, your background, part of your backstory, part of your character oh. <laughs> is that you have never seen any movies, aside from, like, five. And that's an important part. It's integral to your, to your character, to your portrayal. And that nice. is what we're going to talk about today on Roll Up and Die. We're going to talk about character backstories. Matt Segwayed. Click. Boom! <laughs> Theme music, Alex. That was it. That was it. That was it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roll Up and Die, your uh, pseudo-paleolithic RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnock. And like Matt said, we are going to talk about character background backstory uh things that uh, who your character is uh before session one and matt you did such a great job segway uh, so i think you should go ahead and just uh, keep going you think i should keep going yeah i think you should explain why this is such a good topic and an important topic and what are we going to talk about today well tell us why i think also you have sultry tones and i like your sultry tones <laughs> I just, I think that backstories are one of the most important parts of making a a character for a tabletop RPG and also one of the, like, most difficult and one of the, I think, biggest hurdles. Like, if you're new to the hobby, like, uh, making that happen is is really tough. It's like, wait, I have to, like, learn the game and make a character and, like, decide what they were doing before the adventure started. I think that catches a lot of people up. But... Mm. I think the backstories can be done in a really kind of organic, fluid way that gives you a lot of tools with which to portray the character. It makes role-playing easier, and it gives you a lot of motivation for making decisions in the game. Because when you are when you come up on decisions that are like, do we go save the town that's burning down, or do we go after the dragon? your backstory is going to play into that decision. You know, maybe your character, you know, lost their family and they don't want anyone else to have to go through that. And so they're like, no, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to go into the town and save the people. Or maybe your character is a dragon hunter and is like, no, like those people can take care of themselves. We need to go after the dragon. So the backstory is almost, it's like an extension of alignment to me. That's how I see it. Because alignment is kind of like, how does my character make decisions? How do they see the world? What's their motivation? And the backstory is kind of like the blossom from that, I feel. I'm, I'm going to be kind of controversial here. I'm going to say that the backstory is more important than almost any other part of the character. We're shutting it down. Fuck this. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm out. I don't, I don't think that is controversial at all. I mean, it might no, be, but no. I, I'm inclined well, to agree with you, so. Alex. Well, because that that is the whole basis of the character. That's who they are when they walk onto the screen, mm-hmm. you know, the... Uh, the tabletop screen, so to speak. That's what they've been through. That's what made them who they are. And if you look at every iconic hero, it's their backstory that makes them amazing. I mean, just recently, you know, Comic-Con has sort of exploded with all this really cool stuff from, uh, like, Batman versus Superman. And where would Batman be without his backstory? Yeah. You know, yeah, you could still have that kind of character with those kind of skills, but without the backstory to sort of 
explain why he does what he does and influence what he does and so forth. It, you know, it just wouldn't be the same character. Yeah. And so when you're creating a backstory, you're you're creating your origin story, so to speak. You know, for your for your hero. See, and and that's you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up something I, I mentioned earlier uh, in the day in the chat, but I feel like that is. I, I almost disagree with you a little bit, Alex. I mean, I agree with the, what you everything you just said, <gasps> except for the Batman reference. And the reason is this: is that my biggest pet peeve, not only as a DM but as a player, as a person, is when people come to the table and they're like, "Hey, this is my backstory. Isn't it cool?" And you look at it and you're like, "This is an awesome backstory." Except for the fact that the backstory, the the the, the background tale, ends. It has a the end. It's like. Oh my gosh! I was an orphan because my both of my parents were killed, and I, you know, I was I, I left, and I'm now I'm wandering the world, and I and and that's my backstory, and I think that's a bad backstory, and the reason why is because it says the end at the end of it. I think that so many times it, it, people come up to the table and they say, "Okay, my backstory is." Uh, take for instance. The most interesting story at, of all is the story of the orphan. Oh, my God. The, I mean, if I, I, I... Honestly, I don't know any orphans, but <laughs> I almost wish I could because that story would be interesting. It'd be dynamic. It, it would have so many nuances that I would just want to jump into and learn about. But how the hell is that the orphan story? The most boring, cliche story in D&D. Like... <laughs> People say, oh, my parents are dead, and now I'm alone, and okay, now let's play the game. No, 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 no. Wait for a moment. Let your backstory continue into session one. As in, uh, I, you know, my, my parents are dead, and now I'm running from the people who killed them. Let's start playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see the difference kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's <clears throat> the, the backstory doesn't need to be a separate thing from the campaign it can bleed over into the campaign i think mm -hmm. you know your example barker is great where you take a fairly mundane fairly common backstory as far as fiction goes you know my parents were killed and now i'm alone you say you know my parents were killed and now i'm alone and i'm running away from the people that killed them or i'm hunting the people that killed them or i'm trying yes. to find out why they died because i think there's something bigger behind it 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 makes it more dynamic and it also gives you a lot more to go off of as far as characters and portrayals goes. And it also gives your game master a lot to work with in terms of plot hooks. Because they can, if they're coming up, you know, short on ideas, they can be like, I'm going to throw a little tidbit about their parents in here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give nice. them something to pursue. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it wasn't suggesting that the, the backstory should end with, you know, this one tidbit. My point was that the backstory makes the person who they are at that point. And obviously they're going to continue growing. And I think that when you come to the table with a backstory, um, it's, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, it's sometimes better to not have it entirely flushed out because you can add to it mm -hmm. throughout the course of the entire game. You know, you can always be building on it and adding things here and there and inventing uh, an uncle here and a, an event from your childhood there. It's a, it's a growing organic thing that... You're gonna you're gonna keep building throughout the entire run of run of the campaign. Now, for for one shot or something, you know, a shorter campaign, you know, it, it's run a bit differently. But if you're yeah. looking at a long campaign, you're gonna want, you know, a good rich backstory so that you can uh, not only build off it as a player, 
but so that the other players and the GM can build off of it for plot hooks, for advance, for advancing the story, throwing in NPCs from your past, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I just don't like the Batman backstory because I think <laughs> oh, okay. it does it poorly. I, th- I think it's like, oh, my parents are dead, and and it, of course, you know, a lot of people joke about this on Facebook and online all the time, but but it's in reality, it's like, okay, so. How the hell does that make you who you are now? I mean, you inherited their shit. That's it. Like, is that is that where we're stopping? I mean, I mean, I'm not. I, uh, I mean, I'm not. We're not going to make this into a into a Batman podcast. <laughs> oh come but on! But I will simply say, as 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 a as a Batman fan and someone that enjoys the Batman comics and the Batman mythos, persuade me. <clears throat> so, the the death of Bruce Wayne's parents are what make Bruce Wayne realize that Gotham is in a bad way that the world is a dark place and that there are bad people in it that want to hurt other people. And essentially, Bruce Wayne kneeling in that alleyway, crying over the bodies of his dead parents, makes a decision. And that decision is, I don't want this to ever happen to anyone else ever, as long as I can help it. And so for the next 10, 20 years, he essentially trains, learns, and educates himself in every way possible at the extent of all of his resources to become a symbol, something that can prevent that from happening to anyone else. Nice. And that, and also establishing a code of honor that he will not kill. Because people were taken away from him that he loved, he doesn't want to take anyone away from anyone else. And so he doesn't, he has a code that he doesn't kill people. And so mm. that moment, a fairly simple moment, my parents are dead, completely spirals and creates this character and everything that he does kind of goes back to that one moment. And I think, Alex, what you're saying is, you know, you can grow organically, you know, having a moment or a series of moments, a few scenes in your head when you come to the table is enough to then grow from that and mm-hmm. have a lot of other scenes come up from that and have ca- connections with other characters and non-player characters all from that one scene or that handful of scenes that you have in your head that uh, occur to your character before the campaign starts. I, I know it's not a Batman podcast, but what you just did, Matt, <laughs> yeah. is you just took the 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 boring, cliche background story yeah. that a lot of players come to the table with, and you just added some tiny little thing, and you made it flow into session one. Exactly. Also, Batman yeah. rules, so. Eh, well. <laughs> He's all right. Here. No. Actually, no, Batman. Batman's pretty cool, but whatever. He's fucking whatever. Whatever. Alex, what do you think? Not about Batman. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I think we should move on. <laughs> no, I, no, I, <laughs> no. For the record, I, I, I've never thought about Batman like at all. I, I don't have a problem with Batman. So go ahead. That's for the record. I think the title of this podcast is going to be. Matt hates Dresden Files and Barker hates Batman. I'm I'm hating Batman specifically because you hate Dresden Files. <laughs> you fucking guy. <laughs> oh, the honeymoon's over. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> oh god. No, but the um, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong coming to the table with a, with a more with a more co- comprehensive backstory, but. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I think having, you know, like Matt was saying, key moments, which is kind of what our lives are all about when you think about it. You know, we have key moments in our lives, if we look back, that changed us in a certain way. Maybe it was going to, 
you know, a certain school. Maybe it was, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a traumatic event. Although for most adventure type games, it's probably going to be something traumatic. I mean, to, to drive people out into the world to adventure, you know, that, that, you know, not many people who are happy are going to pick up and decide to go hunt orcs for, for a living or whatever. Yeah. They're, you know, they're going to do it because they were driven to do it for some reason. That um, makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, just about every hero you look at was driven by some kind of loss or trauma or, you know, some something big that 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 affected them. You know, you had Conan, whose you know family was wiped out, and so um, just all these things that 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 drive the, these these classic heroes that we know of. And I think when you come to the table, you pick these little iconic moments, and then build off of them as you go. You know, as as you're talking around campfires, or you know, if you're in sci-fi, you're sitting around uh, in the ship while it's in hyperspace, and and this and talking about your grandfather who used to, you know, drive freighters through this part of space, making it up as you go along. Mm-hmm. But that, now it becomes part of the story. And the GM, you know, if they're paying attention, is going to think about that and say, ah, cool, so his grandfather used to be in this part of space. Now the next port you go to, this guy might get recognized by someone their grandfather knew, that sort of thing. So it, 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 it all is a very – it can all be very collaborative. So, so how much do you, in your opinions – do you make up at the beginning of the game or like before session one? And how much do you just kind of come up with on the fly? You make up enough. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, mean? that's really <laughs> all that can be said is just I, whatever is going to work for you in the group is how much you come up with, you know, you want what's going to be iconic to the character first. It's kind of like when you're world building, you start off with, you know, broad strokes. This is the shape of the continent. This is these are the mountain ranges, that sort of thing. And you start off with your character kind of the same way. Okay, so he's a bounty hunter. Why did he become a bounty hunter? Okay, well he, you know, lost his family or um, whatever. And you just start painting with these broad, broad strokes first. And that's enough to start with in most cases, cool. because the you know chances are the uh, the the characters aren't going to know each other to start off. So, you know, the, all they're going to see is the uh, the kind of, not quite two-dimensional, but the they're just going to see the, the, the superficial character first. And then, again, as the game goes on, it gives you great opportunities as a player to start coming out with these little gems as you think of them, saying, oh, cool, you know, well, maybe he did this in his childhood. And you start dropping in these little gems, and then, you know, that inspires other people to do the same. And like I said, the GM picks up on him, and it just, you know, explodes into this huge organic mythology nice. that's created amongst the group yeah nice i i like that a lot um and i you know i don't i don't mean to i don't like to bring up my own characters quite a bit but you know dice in the provokers game you know i came you know with a just a, a small backstory and then kind of slowly tried to grow it into something else and i started making things up as i went along and i would let matt know hey you know i got this daughter you know hey you know i, I got this um to try to make my you know because dice started out with basically nothing you know or very you know not a lot of money unlike more boring characters such as batman but um uh, but dice himself i feel like you know is is one of those examples of you know someone that didn't have much backstory until session three yeah well and it doesn't help that the game started out as a one shot and so you kind of came into it with yeah with like oh i'm gonna be playing this character for one session and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like hey do you guys want to play a campaign that will span several years and you're like oh okay yeah sure 
And so you kind of have to take those big, you know, like Alex said, broad strokes that you had for dice at the beginning and kind of develop them from there. And um, I think, you know, from my standpoint, it seems like the character has been more rewarding because you have allowed yourself that sort of open mind and coming up with stuff sort of on the fly. And as, as the sessions went on and you learned more about that character by portraying them and yeah. the same can be said for my character in the Sirsling game or in where I just had this kind of crazy idea for a character. And as the sessions went on, like I only just recently like decided why he is the way he is. And it took me several sessions and a lot of thinking to come up with that, but it's not like he was less of a character before that happened it just i understand him more now for sure Uh, my favorite part about him is actually that you know his backstory now includes this familiar that he's got pebble Mm -hmm. um because he's you know solid friends with this person unlike uh shittier characters that don't that aren't friends with anybody such as batman what are you talking about batman has the whole bat family he doesn't got anything he has he has like 15 robins three (laughs) bat girls he has he has alfred Alfred, you know. they're not friends. What are you, what are you friends. talking about? This, this you, this is like me having very little exposure to the Dresden Files, sitting there just like, well, J- Harry Dresden has no friends you know because blah blah blah. Yeah. And you know for, shit about for, Batman. For for the for the roll up and die record, I have never read a Batman comic. Yeah, that's have, that is yeah. evident, Barker. That is evident. <laughs> oh, you know what else is evident? What? Fuck Batman. <laughs> Okay, that's it. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, can we can we both agree that fuck Superman? No. Oh yeah, that that's a given. You know. Oh, thank you, Alex. Did you hear <laughs> something else? I, did you hear another voice? I don't think I did. But no, it no. could have been the. This voice. is video. You guys would be seeing me just shaking my head. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> You were going to uh, say something, Alex, before I rudely interrupted for my stupid-ass planted Batman joke number two. I'm sorry. I, I only wish I could remember what it was. No. Um, well, I think, I mean, someone can, can come to the table with certainly a more flushed-out character, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the important thing is to not be too rigid with it. Yeah. You don't want to come with a char- with a backstory that's so solid that it can't be changed at all. And... Um, I mean, for me, I, I like the idea of maybe a page, you know, I, I, if, especially if it's going to be a campaign. One shot, you know, I just do some some notes and stuff. But if it's going to be a campaign, I write out a page. It might be just, like I said, the broad strokes. And then I might write a paragraph or two hmm. that describe, uh, you know, a pivotal scene in his life or something like that. Right. To kind of uh, get a feel for how he would react to things. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times that, that'll give that to the GM to say, okay, well, this, this, this is, this is what my character is. And that way the GM can look at it and say, okay, now I can build, I can build adventures. I can build encounters. I can make, you know, tie your character into the world. And that, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I remember what I was going to say a really cool idea to get players, uh, more invested in their backstory is to give them opportunities to create it in the game. <clears throat> okay. Um, you know, rather than have, having to let them kind of spontaneously mention something, you can, you know, uh, let's say you go into a bar or a tavern or whatever, and, uh, you know, they sit down and say, uh, yeah, you, you know, looking across, uh, you see someone you recognize. Um, and then you say to the player, tell me about him. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, you just leave them, you know, kind of leave them hanging a little bit, nice. but give them the opportunity to just now, now create this character, you know, who they are. And some play, some players might make a really, you know, friendly character. Someone's going to help them. But more often than not, when I, when I've seen this happen, they make an arch enemy an antagonist. Make, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, a bounty hunter has been looking for them for 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 a decade now. That sort of thing. You're they, like they, taking they, notes, they, like, oh my god, love. I could not have come up with anything more <laughs> fucked up than this. Jeez, thank you. <laughs> Giving them the opportunities here and there to to create more of the backstory. Uh, not only is it gonna is it gonna sit better with their character, it's gonna feel more organic, but. Like well, like you said, it, it's it's nice, it's fun for the GM because now you now you're getting fresh ideas. You know, you're getting new th- new stuff just poured into the game that you might not have come up with on your own. Yeah, exactly. I I love doing stuff like that, and I I think it can awesome. You know, it can <clears throat> work with pretty much anything. Like uh, you know, oh, you walk into the town and you realize you've been here before. You know, you can go ahead and describe this marketplace to me because you remember mm-hmm. it from your childhood or something like that. You know, and um, it. I mean, I I think players for the most part get excited at that opportunity, you know, and they might be a little yeah. bit kind of, uh, you know, uh, timid at first to do that, but kind of goading them into it will, uh, will really be a fun and exciting thing for them. And I know I enjoy doing that whenever the GM gives me opportunities for that. so, yeah. And it's contagious too. Oh, yeah. I mean, once some, once someone starts doing it, it's like, Oh, can I do it next? Can yeah. I do it? <laughs> and I say that, but you can see it in their eyes. They're like, Oh, I can't wait till that's, I can wait till it's my turn. Yeah, you know? exactly. And it, it gets them really thinking, thinking about their character. Yeah. But, yeah. There's definitely there's only been one time in my, you know, DMing career that where where one of my players when I asked him to describe a part of the world that had something to do with their character or not said, "No, I don't really want to because it ruins the immersion for me." You know, and and <laughs> I can I can understand that in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to participate in a sort of movie. So, like every other subject when it comes to RPGs, like know your group. Right. Like, yeah. know your players, but, you know, for the most part for sure, man. I, 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 I would love to do something like that, and I think most players definitely would be on board with that too. Absolutely. Now, now, when you bring you know, Alex, you mentioned bringing just enough to mm-hmm. the table. Yep. How detailed does that need to be? Like, I mean, what what sort of details should you have? Shouldn't you have? Uh, you know, when I receive like a 40 page character background on one hand, I'm like, thank you so much. I'm really flattered that you did this for my game. On the other hand, I'm like, well, I got to fucking set aside two hours tonight to read this fucking character background. Yeah. It, well, I, I think that usually an outline is is good enough. You know, going back to the broad strokes, you have, you know, your the you know, the obvious stuff. I was I was raised on a farm. I the farm grew these things i have these parents these brothers and sisters um i left the farm at this age kind of you know kind of like a, a little biography if you were <clears throat> if your character was being described on the back of a book cover or something mm-hmm. and and then from there uh you definitely want to highlight you know maybe at least at least one important event and ideally it should be you know kind of a, a critical event to who their character is now because that's that's what that's what's driving your character at the moment your character can certainly change over time, you know, when as things happen to them and they grow or or descend into darkness, whatever it happens to be. But, you know, having having this critical moment in their life written in a bit more detail is going to help keep that character's motivations in your mind. And uh, I like I mean, I, it can uh, it's one of the things I like about fifth edition is that they have 
some of that built into the built into the system a little bit. And ideally, it would be great to create all those ideals and bonds and you know traits yourself. You know, rather than taking just right out of the book, the ones out of the book are awesome. But if you can if you can make them up yourself, that's even better. I uh, I am a fan of having like coming to the table with tangible things from their past and Mm. having something that other players can see and interact with and it might be something like a weapon like you know a a good standby is like oh it's my dad my dad's sword or you know a family heirloom weapon of some kind but Mm -hmm. i also it can be something like jewelry or just a weird object that they're carrying and i think uh fifth edition dungeons and dragons does this really well with the trinkets because yeah. Oh, yeah. because sure. you you can either pick one or you can kind of randomly roll one and i love randomly rolling the trinket because then i think okay how did this person come by this weird random object why is it important enough for them to carry it around with them why do they still have why it? do they still have yeah. it you know do they take it out and look at it during downtime you know and that's something so so simple that you know, mm-hmm. you know, during downtime between adventures, you can say, you know, well, you know, my character, you know, after they get the fire started, they kind of hunker down next to a tree and they pull out this, you know, this broken dagger and they just kind of run their thumb up and down, you know, the flat of this dagger. And most of the time, someone will come and be like, "Hey, what's the uh, what's the deal with the dagger?" And now all of a sudden, you have a discussion going about your character's yeah. backstory, and it allows you an opportunity to talk about your character. And so, I think. Um, you- Objects are just are really they're really important to people. I know, like I I, I associate different emotions and memories with different objects. I mean, mm-hmm. even looking yeah. around my office right now, I see books and toys and stuff that I associate with different times in my life. And so, I think that having something like that for your character mm-hmm. is is really important and meaningful. I was going to mention in the pipeline. Your character, Matt, did that mm. really well with the photograph. Yeah, and that, yeah. again, that was it yeah. was just a one shot. And granted, we did it was two sessions, but it two was sessions. a you know it was a it was a short adventure. But just mm. having that one thing like yeah. about my character that yeah. what didn't have to do with guns or shooting Sasquatches <laughs> was perfect, you know, because it was just this... unnecessary but perfect. Yeah, exactly, because it <clears throat> you know it was one of those things where people were kind of asking about it, and he was kind of dodging questions, and then you know at the end my character and uh, Rob's character got to have this moment where I show him the picture and he sees that it's a dog. And I'm sure everyone's thinking, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's his wife, it's his son, it's his daughter or something like, or it's his girlfriend. And then it's like- I know I did, yeah. No, it's a, do- it's a dog. Like that, this is the most important <laughs> thing in the world to me. And I don't know, just stuff like that. I love it when, when yeah. characters have something like that. I knew a guy who was in sales and uh, he, he was divorced, but every time it was time to, you know, get on the sales floor and sell something he'd put his wedding ring on because he knew that being married according to him increased his sales just Uh, people would buy (laughs) more likely buy something from someone who was married and so i was like you know i'm gonna do that with my character and i didn't really get to flesh that out a lot but i really i i liked i i like i liked the way your character who's all about guns and killing and like you said shooting sasquatches in the fucking face <laughs> is now is now more than that like now he has yep. a life beyond that yeah. and that's you know and all you had was a photograph that's all you need yep. a photograph something special. yeah 
Yeah, trinkets are basically background seeds. Yes, you know? they're like yeah, they're like that they're sure. like that little irritant that goes in a pearl that you know into an oyster rather that makes the pearl. You know. Yeah. And I mean, those are actually great ideas to to do in almost any um, you know RPG or campaign. Uh, you could do it in a sci-fi one and anything. And so the GM could just kind of hand these things out and say, uh, you know, here's something for your backstory. You tell me what it means. Right. And then that, you know, if they, especially if they're having trouble, and it can give them the opportunity to look at it and say, oh, okay. And now it's going to spark ideas in their minds, and, and, and it'll all kind of grow off of this this item. Yeah. No, it's just, in, it's just very, it's visceral. It's very... It's, yeah. it's you know it's a tangible thing it's a something that you have to look at and think about and touch and interact with and so it's it's basically a you know a memory or an emotion kind of made mm-hmm. made real it kind of forces you outside the box too because yeah you know when when i when a lot of people come to the table with their characters they're like all right this is what that character is i know it because i rolled it and i've, I've thought a lot about it and i'm really excited for it and then this one trinket is added and the dm says tell me why that's important. And you're like, why the hell would I need uh, a locket of hair? Yeah. Uh, okay. But then it makes you step outside the box and think, okay, mm-hmm. let's try to take this new thing and adapt it into this idea that I've already made. And not only is that a good way to make your character just a, a more in-depth, better character, but it's a good way to, it's a good exercise, you know, yeah. in creativity. Absolutely. Uh, something that fate does that I really like is... Love it. When you come up with your aspects, um, your the idea is that you connect yourself with another character in the party, and mm. I really like that idea. And I, it's something that doesn't necessarily always come into play with a game like Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm I'm more and more becoming a fan of rolling up characters together, of doing the session yeah. zero where you all get together and talk about the campaign and roll up your characters, and it gives you the opportunity to make connections. And I usually I think my rule of thumb is like you should have two connections. You know, you should know you should know or know of or have some sort of connection to two other characters in the party. And mm. some people would say, oh, that's kind of contrived though. Why would everyone necessarily have these connections? And yeah, it's contrived, but it makes things more meaningful and it doesn't necessarily need to mean like, Oh, I grew up with that guy and I, I, I killed this guy's dad. You know, it's not necessarily like that, but it could be like, I know of this character because we used to like run in the same gang when we were both living on the streets in this city, or I've heard of him. I've heard of his, you know, skill with a sword or something like that. And it's like, what, what are Mm -hmm. your guys' thoughts on having PCs have connections with each other like that? Yeah. I I love that idea. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of fate anyway. But I, I was when I first uh, read Fate, and I, I love that uh, that feature in it, mm-hmm. kind of tying the characters together. It makes it really easy for the GM, obviously, because now you have characters who are already sort of, you know, have bonds together. They're they're they have a good reason to be working together. Yeah, and you know, it can help flesh out backstories. It can help to create again new new adventure seeds and and so forth. Uh, I don't think it's necessary for every single campaign, but uh, in the you know for the for certain campaigns it it, it works really really well. I, my, one of my favorite references is Lord of the Rings uh, for RPGs. Even mm. though like arguably uh, the Lord of the Rings would be a terrible role playing game, totally railroaded <laughs> and like uh, we want to go over the mountains. Well, you can't go over the mountains. You got to go through the mines. We don't want to go through the mines. Well, you can't go over the mountains. <laughs> Shit. But uh, you know Aragorn knows of Legolas. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also uh, knows, well, of, you know, Boromir knows of Aragorn uh, before he, even the Fellowship meets. Yep. So, you know, these characters can know of each other without being like, I've, I, uh, I bought his ex-girlfriend a drink and he punched me in the face <laughs> at this bar yeah. one time. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it really, uh, Fate does an excellent job at that. And also, for those who haven't played Fate, it combines that with the world building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can actually yeah. create the world while creating these character interactions. Super fun, super recommended. Awesome. And those features can easily be brought into other role-playing games. It's not... No. Uh, yeah, they use it as part of the mechanic in Fate, but it's absolutely adaptable to, you know, D&D, Traveler. No. Uh, you know, it, whatever game you happen to play. It can't. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My mistake. No, it, it's all... <laughs> like, well, the mechanics don't matter. You know, you can... You can yeah. uh, you can do that sort of thing in any game. It, it depends on uh, on your DM and your players. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think if if you have something that really, really works for your style of running a game or playing a game and you want to include it in something else, then by all means, do. I remember I when I played Savage Worlds, it was like one of the first RPGs I played other than D&D, and they have the Benny system where you get a little point, mm. you know, yeah. to spend on, you know, doing cool stuff, kind of like Fate Points. You know, I implemented that into D&D immediately, and I've been using that ever since. And then Fate came along, and it had Fate points, and I was like, oh, that's kind of like what I do. And then D&D 5th Edition had inspiration. I was like, that's what I do! You know, it was just kind of this cool (laughs) thing where I had been using this mechanic sort of homebrew, but it totally works. And so I think, you know, taking things from Fate, like the background stuff, uh, you know, can help really make those connections between the party members and do so organically in a non sort of contrived way. Well, that's the thing. All these are tools that a GM can use depending on, again, what, you know, the experience of their, their players, um, for an inexperienced group, maybe that isn't as accustomed to making characters, certain techniques will help them more than others. Uh, maybe they're not comfortable making background stories. They've never, maybe they've never done it before. So, uh, giving them things like these trinkets and um, using the fate technique of, of you know, kind of, twi- you know, interweaving the characters together before the game. Those can all help uh, people who maybe aren't as comfortable writing backstories. Yeah. Um, you know, and then some people like, you know, like you were saying, Barker, are going to show up with a, you know, a 40 page manuscript mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with stage, di- with stage direction. <laughs> and, 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 and and a, a cover page, sco- and, and citations a in APA, yeah. <laughs> and, a mu- and a musical score. A musical this, score. Now this, this, this is his theme music. Now listen carefully. Then. <laughs> it can only be played on an organ. That's it. <laughs> Do you have Sibelius? Do you not have Sibelius? If you don't have Sibelius, you need to download it. I made a I made a bard, and I I have all the sheet music that he's written, and <laughs> I want to play it during the game. So. I feel, but, I feel like if yeah. someone comes to you with that, though, like as a DM, take a moment before you scream at the gods and realize <laughs> that this person just wrote up a bunch of stuff because of your game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is kind of cool. Yeah. I've had people write a lot, but never it's it's never really been kind of over the top. Um, really? I, I had one person who I, I had uh, – she was a priestess of the blood goddess, and she um, – was going to be performing a ritual in the next session. She knew this. And so, she, but she came next time with a fully like written out, uh, 
you know, uh, all the words for the ritual and so forth. And, and it, was, it was really something. It was, and it was really well, well written, too, which helped. So, um, fuck Batman. But outside of that, I think it's time to answer a question yes. from the audience. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. You know what? You know what? No. Before we do that, Matt, I'm going to make a deal with you right now. Okay. Jeez. In front of God. Alex and audience and everybody uh-huh. right now. Mm-hmm. You pick any Batman comic slash graphic novel Ugh. for me to read, and I will read it. Uh-huh. And the Dark Knight Returns. And <clears throat> you read chapter one of Stormfront, the first novel in the Dresden File series. But And that's it. You don't have to like it. That's it. But, Barker, I've already read... No, you were, like, 14. You told me you were, like, yeah. in high school or middle school when you did. I know. It was a while ago. All right, all right. Um... You don't have to pick it now if you don't want to. No, I'm looking at my shelf right now. I have, like, every <laughs> Batman comic. He's, um... like, he's opening the vault, and his yeah. wall just no, turns into a bookshelf. <laughs> so, the, the all, right. <laughs> all right, all right. Steam so, comes out. I would say probably um, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Okay, you only get one. Okay. I was it was gonna be between Long Halloween and Dark Knight Returns, but I'm gonna go with Dark Knight Returns. Um which the Killing is, Joke is pretty classic too. Yeah, though. Killing Joke is good too. Uh, yeah, yeah, there there's just so many like classic runs, but I think Dark Knight Returns, when I read Dark Knight Returns, that was what really just solidified Batman for me. Okay, um, cool. Because so. you're persuading someone to like Batman. Like, yeah, that. I would that, do Dark Knight Returns, and there's also a really awesome... They recently did an animated movie of Dark Knight Returns, and uh, Peter Weller played old Bruce Wayne um, and did an awesome job. So, Who's Peter Weller? Uh, Robocop. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you never seen Robocop? Never. Okay, okay. all right, so... <laughs> Should we take a question from the audience, or yeah, should we I've just got a question. shut the fucking I've got a podcast down right now? Yeah, let's, let's answer a question. There is a far and away winner in the questions, but I almost Ooh. feel like we've already answered it. Oh, okay. Let me uh, hold. On. I'm going to go to the page. Uh, who's whose question is it? It's Bradlin Walker's with 13 likes. Holy okay. Let, oh, damn. That's a that's a buttload of likes. What parts of a backstory are good to bring to session zero, and what parts should be made up more on the fly? Okay. Yeah, yeah we think I covered a lot of that. In the interests of not bogging down your role play with parts of your past and what you're constricted to. Uh, yeah, I th- I th- we touched on that quite a bit. I think, hmm. um, I think the important thing is to don't get up in arms when your DM uses your backstory against you. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. are like, I don't want to tell my DM that I'm running from the cops because in every other session, there's cops going to be there. <laughs> and in my mind, like, come on, that's part of the fun. Yeah. Like you're running from the cops. Like your DM's not oh, going to yeah. kill you or get you arrested every session. And if he is, then, you know, I don't know, give him the finger, I, I, I play along. I don't know. <laughs> but find a new group. I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's part of the fun. I, I think that flaws are a big part of what char- uh, what makes characters interesting, yeah. including their backstory. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, like, focus on the broad strokes. Don't necessarily get down to the nitty-gritty right away. Um, you know, unless you want to, but I would say if you're a little bit worried about coming up with too much and coming to the table with too much, then just focus on the broad strokes and yeah. what makes your character who they are. Yep. Yeah. And make sure, and make sure it remains flexible so yes. that, yeah, you're not, you're not too rigid. <clears throat> exactly. Awesome. Now, next down is Andrew Shamu, which is the name of a uh, orca. Yeah, that's also an oh. awesome name because <laughs> the last name rhymes with the first name. 
Andrew Shamu. <laughs> Andrew Shamu. Yeah, it's awesome. How about cliches to avoid? Um, well, you mentioned the 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 orphan one. I mean, it, it's it just, you don't need to avoid it. No, I think it's an no, awesome. But you, no, but you, you but you do need to use it in a way that's that's different, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of hard because, like I said, ch- chances are if someone is is off being a hero, uh, they probably have a grim past. People who are happy don't tend to don't tend to do much. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, so I mean, they're gonna have some kind of trauma. Well, the, uh, all right, take Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Like that guy mm-hmm. could be yeah. an adventurer. And, sure. you know, non-traumatic, no traumatic events in the past kind of thing. Um, so maybe just loving the hunt. But that, as well as the, oh, my parents are dead, you know, I'm I'm just wandering and adventuring because it's all I've got. You know, I'm mysterious. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> those, both of those things are equally bad. Yeah. And I feel like it's just the way you go about doing it. Don't yeah. avoid cliches. Do it bigger. Do it better. Do, uh, make it more realistic. Yeah, I always say cliches are cliches for a reason because they, they yeah. work and they resonate with us on a certain level. And so, you know, taking a cliche like my parents are dead and just turning it on its head a little bit and adding in a little of your own flavor, like, you know, yeah. my parents were dead and it's my fault, you know, or something like that, you know, like just doing it a little bit different. And like you're saying, Barker, doing it bigger and better is, you know, it's it's not difficult to do. Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned I had a, an entire group one time that wanted to play evil characters, so I made them all members of the same Thieves Guild, different classes and whatnot, but they, they were all um, basically recruited from the same orphanage that the that the Thieves Guild ran, oh, and so cool. they're actually all orphans, so, you know, oh, cool. it, it can definitely work, because, well, it made sense because they the orphanage was a perfect front for, you know, for finding kids who don't have anything else Absolutely. to do and are maybe already traumatized and willing to do, you know, some, you know, not so nice stuff. Right. Look at James Perfect. Bond or Halo, you know, like yeah. great, yeah. great story. Okay. For sure, man. So, um, uh, are there any others that caught your eye in the, the question? Let's see. Guys? Uh, <clears throat> our buddy, our buddy probably... Nate Vanderzee had a Ooh. question. Where's that one? Did that get, it's, a, it's near the top. It says, I've heard some argue. I've heard some argue. Yeah, some. Yeah, we have <laughs> wrong emphasis. Uh, that you, <laughs> that Batman sucks. No, that you don't really need a backstory in mind. The important part of a character's story is developed in the timeline of the game. What do you think of this notion? I think we kind of covered that a little bit. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all about balance. And you know, uh, our, our other good friend Tim came up with the idea of the spotlight. You know, every character's got a spotlight, and you can shine it on mm-hmm. anyone you want. And most. Uh, well, sadly, most, I think, players spend their time uh, shining the spotlight on themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when that spotlight, though, is shined on you, use that opportunity to come up with some new backstory. Some yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Uh, based it off real life, too. I'm a big fan of doing that. Yeah. God, I almost feel like we should do a Ben B one, but because he's always the one we oh, do. Oh, man. Ben B. I love ben that guy. Ben B. I love that guy. Shout out to Ben <laughs> B. Yeah, do, do a Ben B. Ben B. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> how can a character's backstory negatively affect a game, and how can this be avoided? I have had such a problem with one of my players, so ways to avoid it in the future would be helpful. Uh, I think, what do you guys think? Well, I think what we were talking about where th- like being rigid in your background, not mm, being yeah. willing to adjust your background or uh, you know explore your background or have your background 
like negatively affect your character i think is probably a a problem that could come up with it I, i can't imagine that a character's backstory would contribute negatively to a game i imagine it would be more the player's attitude about it yeah i think so too yeah i mean i suppose it would also depend depend on on how it's written i mean if if you know we mentioned rigidity but also if it's too uh specific maybe right it could be it could be hard to hard for gm to work with yeah i mean if you've got a background I, unless it's terrible i can't think of how it would negatively impact the game really yeah I, I guess i guess if you had a character that was like well before we started the campaign my character actually uh climbed mount olympus and killed zeus and then got cast back down to earth <laughs> and, had, and had all of his powers stripped from him and that's why he's level one again and you're like i don't know about that i mean that's <laughs> well, just that's well, yeah, just but see, that a bad could... backstory well, yeah, but that couldn't negatively impact the campaign because I would have torn it up in front of his face and thrown it in the trash. <laughs> you know what? You know, you know, I'm going to disagree with you guys. Why I think oh. that's a good backstory is that it doesn't Jeez. end; it goes into session one. I guess. I, uh, Whatever. You don't uh, like but, Batman. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think a character's backstory can actually negatively impact a game, and the, how I imagine this happening is, and I've seen this a lot is when one character is one player is like hey my character is a rare and special snowflake and you're just the coolest character in the world <laughs> and and they take that which is fine everybody's <laughs> character is a rare and special snowflake and we're all beautiful mm-hmm. but they assume that every uh, everyone else's character is just like a co-star right. in their character's mm-hmm. show because of all of the stuff their character has done in their backstory. Yeah, but again, I th- I think that it's that comes more down to the player attitude. One hundred percent. Where they're yeah. just like, I'm I'm the star, that's and everyone true. else is the supporting cast in my TV show. You know, yeah, which is, I mean, that, yeah right. that's that's just a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I've never experienced one of those in my life. <laughs> <sighs> what did you call it? A a, a douche. Please, please give me back my douchebag. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, it's about time for us to <laughs> come up with an idea that people can steal. What do you guys think? Nice. Uh, okay, uh, your character is an orphan, and now he's all alone, but he has a lot of money to do whatever he wants. <laughs> oh, that's Batman! Shit. <laughs> but he's okay, not so. all alone, Barker. He has <sighs> Alfred. Yeah, Oh God! And then he has Jesus. Lucius Fox, and then he has Robin, and then he has Batgirl, <laughs> and then he has Nightwing and Batwing and Azrael and. I feel bad for all those people. That's I feel bad for all of those people. Whatever, dude. Mom and Dad, will you just stop fighting? <laughs> See, this is the problem, Barker. Now that we've met in real life, we're just like, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> you're tearing, you're tearing this family apart. <laughs> you're ruining this podcast. I actually, it's funny. I don't know why this is happening because I really like Batman, and I know that what? people are not going to believe that based on the shit that I've said <laughs> in this podcast. I it really contradiction like, to everything you've said over I, the past hour. I really like Batman. I just, <laughs> I love fucking with Matt more. But yeah, anyway, whatever. I'm wow. sorry. So Alex, you had you had a uh, I think a cool idea for an idea that people could steal. What what was that? Uh, yeah, uh, it was coming up with a coming up with a background, having the the other person sort of embellish on it, and then have the third person sort of uh, figure out a good you know a way that could work in a campaign as a plot hook. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. 
Barker. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just shedding some tears over here. Like, <laughs> I feel like I lost my friend Matt. <laughs> Whatever. You just need to read Dark Knight Returns, and then we'll we'll be kosh. We'll be good. We'll be kosh. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, one of us makes <gasps> up a backstory. Here, let me roll the d12. Matt, you're one through four. Okay. Alex, you're five through eight. Five, six, seven. Yeah, eight. And I'm the rest. It looks like it's me. I'm 11. <laughs> so I make up a backstory. Okay. My backstory is this. Um, I feel like I would like to be the son or daughter of a shop owner. Someone who owns a type of store. Um, I think I'm going to make it a magic st a magic shop because I, I really don't like magic shops um, because they're <laughs> kind of – I actually don't like magic shops uh, because I, I feel like they're a little bit like, you know, like we do, cliche. I feel mm. like a lot of times they're done a little bit poorly and they're unrealistic. But I like the idea of the child of someone who owns this store and I like the idea of this next person embellishing – uh, the background story of this magic shop and how that kind of creates this character's backstory. Okay, cool. Okay, so one through six is Matt. And that's a one, so that's you, Matt. Okay, so what I'm thinking is that in order to open this store, uh, your character's uh, father or mother was forced to borrow money to make it happen. And... I'm thinking that they maybe borrowed money from someone that was eh, not so savory. Maybe, you know, a, uh, a leader of a, a crime organization or some sort of thieves guild or uh, just kind of a shady loan organization even. Like, that, you know, an Iron Bank of Bravos situation where they, you know, took this money and used it to open the shop. And the problem is that, like, the debt just never goes away. And if something were to happen to their parents, or if they were to die or become ill, the debt would pass to their offspring. And then that debt would pass on to their offspring. And all the while, it's collecting interest. And so I think that that would be a good motivation for a character is like, listen, I've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars or a couple hundred thousand gold pieces. <laughs> that I didn't even take out. Like, this is my parents' debt from this magic shop that they own. Yeah. And I'm out here adventuring, trying to save up enough where I can pay off their loans before they, you know, before they die, basically. So, yeah, that's how I'll embellish it. It's They had to take out a huge loan to make it happen. Awesome. Okay, cool. Nice. Al Alex, you're 1 through 12. Uh, that's 13. Matt. What? I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> Alex. Oh, got you. <laughs> All right, so the the guy who the guy who you know gave the parents this loan and, and now that they're extremely in debt to, he uh, uh, he's running into some financial difficulties himself, so he's trying to collect on all these debts, and he learns of a, a great treasure hoard that uh, the right kind of people could get. So what he does is he approaches uh, the character whose backstory this is, and. Uh, basically is extorting him by saying look i have your parents they're uh they're alive for now but either you complete this within a certain amount of time or you'll find their heads on your doorstep uh within a week awesome that's great it it it, it creates a lot of tension to create you get you have a uh, a finite amount of time 
um, it, it gives great opportunity for the character to sort of, you know, develop and yeah. So and if you include that character with a party of other characters, you know, those other characters are going to have stories of their own, and so this character yeah. is going to have to justify and decide like what they're going to do because they know that this one thing has to be done in a week but they also have to you know find the the dragon and slay it or you know something like that exactly that's awesome yeah i love that that's great i know we're over time do you guys want to make another one yeah let's do another one i I feel like yeah let's do it all right so i'm gonna roll the die and uh, what, uh, before I look at the uh, number, I swear I'm not looking at it. One through four is Matt. <laughs> five through eight is Alex. And the rest is me. I, don't, I keep switching it up. And that's a one. So that's you, Matt? Yeah, that's that? me. Okay, cool. <clears throat> okay, so the background for this character is that he is... Okay, so he is actually a noble person. Um, cool. He, his father, his parents are lords so he's not like royalty but he comes from money and but he's so far down the line of succession like he maybe has five or six older brothers that there's basically no hope of him ever taking any kind of position he's not going to be you know the head of this of this household and so he decides that he wants to become uh, a warrior of some kind he's not interested in just hanging around his house and being taken care of his entire life and so he is sort of infatuated with swordsmen and knights and things like this and he's going to try and strike out and become a warrior but the problem is that he's a little bit soft from this noble upbringing of his you know he hasn't worked the land or you know he doesn't have any any considerable strength or dexterity to him he's mostly just kind of a soft nobleman and uh, I'll kick it over to somebody else. Awesome. Cool. So that's excellent. One through six is Alex, and the rest is me. And that is an eight. So I'm going to take that and say that um, secretly, uh, maybe the character knows this, maybe he doesn't, is that um, he's actually a bastard uh, mm-hmm. of another local lord, and and he's just being been raised uh, in this one house because both houses have agreed that this, you know, they want to both seem proper in the eyes of all the people. So they're not going to, you know, out this at all. But he's actually the immediate heir if he were to come to, you know, uh, power. He would be the immediate heir of this second house. So his, I like it. his siblings are getting wind of it, and they don't like that. Oh. All right, next. It's always Alex at the end, isn't it? I like I feel it really. I swear to God, I roll the same D twelve every <laughs> single time. All right, Alex. Uh, it's still spinning. That's you. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, what happens is his true father uh, is is murdered, and so word has has seeped out following this murder that he is now potentially the heir, and now the people who murdered the father are going to be coming after him. Oh, snap. Man, that's awesome. Dude, and, and you know what? If you were a DM, you could just tell the the player uh, just the first part of that. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're sixth in line right, of succession. Right. Like, go and adventure. You're, you want to be a warrior. And then release that information later. Yeah. Man, exactly. that's awesome. I love that. All right. Yeah, good job, guys. You guys are creative. We should do a podcast together sometime. Yeah. 
<laughs> Matt. Burger, I, you know, I, I love you, man. And I love Batman. I love but you too. I'm sorry. I, lo- I, love, I love me some Barker, too. So don't worry. I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, Barker, you should, you should send me your address. And I'm seriously, I'm not joking. I'm going to send you Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Uh, all right. My address is three three. Carl Bolthouse is on the line taking some notes. <laughs> yeah, you know, after some of the things you said about Batman, I wouldn't be passing out my personal address yeah. at this point. So I'm just saying. Freaking anthrax and mailbox bombs. <laughs> hey, it's it's a PO box, so I'm not going to be the only one a little pissed off about that. So. Yeah. Right, right. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. Uh, all of, of course, you can find all of us at our uh, various channels. Uh, my name is Barker from Be a Better Game Master and Be a Better Game Master.com. And my name is Batman from Gotham City. <laughs> and my name is Alex, a.k.a. The Joker. Oh, shit. Can we, can, we go, can we go back? I feel like I'm left out. No. Okay. All right. Um, hold on. One second. I just got it. Okay. All right. <laughs>